Hi, I'm Ange Murphy, host of the Realising Your Potential podcast series and Chief People and Communications Officer at Accolade Wines. I'd like to welcome you to Seller Picks, our new bite-sized podcast series. For Seller Picks, we choose some of the real stories our extraordinary guests have shared over the last three series. So think of these episodes like a short, high-intensity training session, just under 10 minutes, and your development for the day is done. Each episode will focus on one key trait of effective leadership, such as mindset, trust, communication, resilience and feedback, to name but a few. In this episode, we explore how to give and receive feedback effectively. I'd like to start with a clip from a really engaging conversation I had with Dr. Jason Fox, who shared some interesting research about understanding what gets people most enthusiastic to do great work. A couple of researchers asked over 600 managers from different industries and organisations, what is it that gets people most enthusiastic to do great work? They were given good answers to choose from, incentives and rewards, clear goals and targets, interpersonal support, recognition for good work, or a clear sense of progress. And the number one thing the managers came up with was recognition for good work, which is a really lovely answer. What the researchers thought might be interesting is, why don't we ask the employees themselves Or better yet, let's follow a bunch of employees over several years, analysing over 12,000 journal entries to see what correlates to the highest levels of motivation to do great work. And it turns out what came out as number one is what the managers ranked as dead last, and that is a clear sense of progress. And this became the number one breakthrough idea from the Harvard Business Review in 2010. And a decade later, it's yet to overtly permeate into leadership folklore. But if you look behind what drives agile, what drives just good common sense, this clear sense of progress permeates throughout it all. It's about reducing the latency between effort and meaningful feedback. If we come back to your sporting analogies, you know, sport has these feedback loops built into it. You immediately know if you're on track or not. The research Dr. Fox was referring to is based on the work by Teresa Armablay and Stephen Kramer, who co-authored The Progress Principle. Teresa advocates that part of any manager's job description should be to frequently help employees understand how they are making progress on a daily basis. Specifically, regularly setting and reviewing goals, sharing feedback so people continue to learn, and giving consistent praise that celebrates the small wins. What one thing can you do tomorrow to enable someone to feel they are making progress on meaningful work? How will you celebrate that progress? What impact would that have on you and your team if this was a daily practice? Next up, Paralympic rowing coach Jason Baker shares his top tips for giving feedback. It is difficult, but you just got to try and be a bit professional with it. People can accuse you of being a bit cold and clinical, but I think when there's so much emotion involved, you need to be fairly careful about the things that you say. It's important to give a clear message and not talk around it and not mince your words. Yes, you can try and soften the blow, but I think being factual and to the point is important. Don't always think that people remember those conversations, especially if you've waffled on. No one ever likes them. Some of the things that you don't say, possibly more important than some of the things that you do. I think delivering a clear message in those situations is the best for the person receiving the message. You're not clouding the issue there. And when they calm down a little bit and they think back, it's a little clearer about what they've been told. 
I couldn't agree more with JB's advice to be careful with what you say and how you deliver the feedback. This is always important, but even more so if feedback isn't the norm in your team or organisation just yet. JB also talks about being clear in your messaging. And if you look at what the leading experts on feedback advise, the golden rule of feedback is being crystal clear and specific. I really like how Kim Scott, ex-Google and Apple executive and now author of Radical Candor, frames feedback. Kim says the word feedback has a bad reputation and makes us tense up and assume the worst. Instead, Kim suggests the most important thing a boss can do is focus on giving what she calls guidance. Guidance is fundamentally just praise and criticism. Such a simple shift, but can make all the difference in how you view feedback. So what exactly is radical candor? Well, Kim describes it as the balance between caring personally and challenging directly. In other words, being clear and kind. If you fail to show someone you care about them, but you are still direct and challenging, you risk coming across as obnoxious and aggressive, which of course very few people respond well to. However, if you are overly caring and never challenge your team members, you may be doing more harm than good to not only their performance, but also their long-term career prospects. Kim also shares some principles that will ensure your feedback lands as you intend. I have selected three I think are super important and easy to start doing if you aren't already. The first is to check your intentions. Are you giving this feedback to help or hurt this person? Communicate your intentions to help as clearly as you communicate the feedback itself. The second is to give the feedback as close to the event as possible, not six months after when the specifics have become blurry. Finally, always give constructive feedback in private, never in public. It kills psychological safety with not just the person you're speaking to, but anyone else within earshot. Feedback works best when it's a two-way conversation. And if you're serious about creating a culture of psychological safety, candor and learning, then as managers, we've got to be as good at receiving feedback as we are at giving it. Here's what executive coach Claire Salvetti had to say on the topic. When receiving feedback, what I try to do is remove myself from the emotion of it. Feedback can be quite triggering and it can make you go, oh God, I'm not good enough and I'm rubbish. And then you stop hearing. So what I try to do when I know that feedback is on its way to me, and it's always nice to be given the opportunity to know it's incoming (laughs) or to ask for it. What I do is take a moment to, it's about mindfulness really, and think, okay, what might come is likely to be unexpected and I might not have heard it before. And it might be something that stings a bit. So what I'm going to do is take a breath and try and actually really hear the words and then I will deal with the emotions later. And so it puts me in a more mindful, thoughtful, non-judgmental, curious space so that I'm able to ask more questions about it and really understand why this feedback is heading my way. It's a really hard thing to do to receive feedback well. As Claire said, it can be hard to receive feedback But it really is one of the only ways to truly understand your impact on others. But how open to feedback are you? Karen Weeks wrote a brilliant and extremely practical guide to feedback conversations, which I highly recommend reading. The link is in the show notes. 
Karen recommends that in order to receive feedback well, we have to have a certain level of self-awareness. What makes you tick? Why do you have knee-jerk reactions to some things and not others? This self-awareness helps you be more empathetic to your employees and their own reactions when you share feedback with them. One of the tools that I've learned over the course of my career for both giving and receiving feedback is to simply sit with the feedback for a little while. That could be 12 or 24 hours. For me, it takes the emotion out of it. It allows me time to write down what I heard, what I want to convey, or what actions I may want to take. Back to Kim Scott's work on radical candor. Kim offers tips for improving how we ask for feedback and receive it well. Here are a couple for you to experiment with. The first is to make it easy for people to give you feedback by asking open questions. Better yet, be specific about the event or behaviour you would like feedback on. For example, in the team meeting this morning, I was trying to involve everyone, but I'm not sure I achieved that. How could I have done better? Kim goes on to explain that when you ask open questions, we need to allow time for others to process the question and formulate their response. So the top tip here is to embrace the silence. It may feel uncomfortable, but resist the urge to ask another question or justify the reason for asking for the feedback. At your next one-on-one or team meeting, ask for feedback using one of your thoughtful questions and then count to seven seconds in your head. It may feel like a really long time, but stick with it and see what impact it has. For my final clip, leadership consultant Rod Matthews explains some of the reasons why we might find giving and receiving feedback uncomfortable, and more importantly, what we can do to make it a more positive experience for everyone involved. Sometimes what's missing is we haven't done some work up front to set expectations about the sort of place that we want to work. And I strongly suspect that the sort of place that most people want to work is the place where we are able to have the conversations that we need to have. And one of the enemies of doing that is, of course, performance appraisal systems, because they say you need to talk to your team members at least twice a year. So what happens is a lot of managers go, great, I'll do that twice a year. And if you're only talking to your team members twice or four times a year about their performance, that is not sufficient. We need to be open to the possibility that conversations about performance are something that our team members actually want and desire and enjoy. It's all very easy for leaders to hold this story in their head that conversations about performance is unpleasant. They don't want it. I don't want to do it. And if I tell myself that story, then I find a reluctant energy. And if I'm reluctant, I'm not going to do it. If you think about Olympic level performers, even good quality sports people, The conversation about performance is happening all of the time, not just on the field, but off the field, at halftime, at training. That's why they are top performing sports people. If we leave it until 12 months before we measure how we're going, we could be 12 months off track. Rod's challenge about being open to the fact team members actually want conversations about their performance is backed up by some research from Zenga and Falkman, who unsurprisingly found that people tend to avoid giving negative feedback. However, the real surprise from their research was that 92% of people actually crave negative feedback, even more 
than positive. The participants agreed that negative feedback is the most effective way at improving performance, but only if, and here's the key, if it's provided in a constructive, respectful and kind manner. So in summary, not all feedback is positive, but if it's done properly and it's clear and kind, it should provide an excellent opportunity to learn and grow for everyone involved. When it comes to feedback, it's both what you say and how that matters. We've provided links in the show notes to the research and concepts mentioned in this episode for you to explore further. My passion for real stories is based on my belief that there is so much we can learn from the people around us. As Vernon Howard, the philosopher says, always walk through life as if you have something new to learn and you will. I hope that in these few minutes, you've had a chance to pause and reflect on your own leadership style and it's sparked your curiosity to find out more. Remember, if you've enjoyed hearing from our guests, you can find the links to their full episodes in the show notes. There's some great conversations there, so make sure you check those out. And join me next time, where we'll explore how to build resilience as an important leadership characteristic to foster in yourself and others. These podcasts would not be possible without a super production team. Big thanks to the team at Martino Consulting. 